you've heard me say this many times before. These, these are the songs that I grew up with. And, and particularly, prayer night. Because there was a prayer night. And that's all you did. You came to pray. Well, we was kids, so we came to play. But the, but the parents prayed. <clears throat> but this is the good thing about taking your children to prayer night. Is that when they old, they remember those prayer songs. I still hear the mother singing the prayer songs in the back of my head. So when I hear I need thee, I'm like, we right back in prayer service. Past me not, we right back in prayer service. Because the mothers would be over in the corner because, you know, the mothers were the female elders. They just didn't call them elders back then. But that's what they were. And the mothers, oh, Lord, I, I can feel it. I can feel it. So, you know, for parents, you got young kids that complain about going to church, going to prayer. Take them anyway. Because then when they're my age, they're going to they gonna remember those songs and they're going to be glad to hear it in the back of their head. Because when things get bad, you remember, I need the old. I need thee every hour. I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. So, Lord, that's where we are right now. Lord, we need you. Lord, the circumstances of our society, we need you. The circumstances of our lives, we need you. The circumstances of our minds and our hearts, we need you, oh God. So we're just coming straight to your throne and we ask, oh God, that you would just continue to pour out as you've spoken to us through the song. God, we ask that you would speak to us through the word. Lord, it is you speaking to your people. So Lord, this man has nothing to say, but you, God, have the words that bring life. So speak life into every heart, every mind, every soul that is being touched by this message today. Lord, move miraculously, change, heal, Deliver, Lord, God, for your name's sake. Lord, we want you to receive the glory from our lives. So have your way, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We continue our series, Wrestling for Our Identity. And the key verses is Genesis 32, starting at verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jacob. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. That's where we're going to get. But you know me. We're going to have to take a journey to get to the context of why that happened. Last week, we spoke about nature and nurturing because Jacob didn't just show up one day and wrestling with God. Some things happened before he got there. So we saw that he was born with certain characteristics and his mama and daddy added to it. Mm -hmm. Life and culture added to it. But now we're going to look at plans God's promises and the process. 
So starting with our plant. Genesis 27, Esau finds out that his little brother not only stole his birthright, but then he stole a blessing too. Well, according to Esau's nature, he wasn't happy. He said, when my daddy dies, I'm going to kill him. We're going to see who can get the blessing now. I'm going to kill him. But his mama found out. And his mama being who she is, she wasn't letting it go down like that. Because she didn't want to lose both her sons and her husband. No, 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 no. We can't, we, we can't have that. So she goes and tells Jacob, you got to go till your brother calms down. But it's not that simple. Because, you know, this is Isaac's boy. He ain't going to just go. So this is what mama did. Genesis 28, verse 46. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. She working it again. Here she. So Isaac says, okay, boy, you got to go find your wife somewhere else. Because mama wasn't happy. Now, the Hittite women didn't appear to have been a problem before Esau said he was going to kill them. So she got to find a way for her husband to send the son away. So she come up with this excuse about the Hittite women, which actually was in line with God's plans anyway. But she didn't know that. She just wanted to get rid of them. Plans. Jacob had a plan. His mama had a plan. Isaac thought he had a plan. But look at what happens. Our plans. At this point in their life, they're working off of our plans, what we think, what we want. But our plans always end up limited to human understanding. Our plans always work around trying to save ourselves from the cares of this world. Think about it. Whenever we make a plan, the goal of that plan is for me to feel better. I mean, come on, it only makes sense. If you're going to make a plan, you're going to make a plan that's going to work out in your best interest. Who makes a plan, consciously makes a plan that's going to mess them up? But that making of that plan is limited to my own understanding, my intelligence, and my passions. So when I'm coming up with this plan, I'm coming up with a plan that my mind can thought of and something that makes my heart feel good. I start thinking about what I'm going to do with my life. See, Isaac forgot who this boy was supposed to be. Isaac forgot what God has spoken to his father, Abraham. Isaac forgot that he himself was a promised child. So from your loins was going to come the, the inheritance that God had promised to your father. He forgot. He was just making plans because mama was leaning on him. And you know, there's that old country song that if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. So Isaac, because he was used to his wife telling him stuff, speaking stuff in his head. 
he goes along with her plan that she, her, his plan that she had. But this is the danger of our plans. That our plans are also limited to our ability. Huh. It's dependent on what we can do and what we can other, get other people to do for us. It's unfortunate that when we're making our plans, we often want God to use his power in order to enact our plan. Huh. We want to use God, not obey God. So in this little family drama that we see playing out here, it's like, okay, the plans that are being made do not include God. God is still sovereign. He's still sitting on the throne. But those plans that are being made did not include God. Mm. The plans that actually lead to an eternal destiny are based on God's promises. See, if we're going to build a plan, we need to get a vision from God first. If you're going to have a plan, get a vision from God first. Now, look, in, in life, it's, it's easy because we all should make plans for how we're going to live our lives. You shouldn't just be living all willy-nilly, just doing whatever happens, responding to just things that happen. What do you plan to do? And as when you get to my age, it's like retirement. But when you're a preacher, you actually don't get to retire. They didn't tell us that part. They didn't tell us that part when they gave you the collar. They didn't tell you that you don't get to retire. <laughs> now, I know in some denominations, they actually believe that, well, you know, pastor serves for however long, then he retires and passes it down to his son because that's what they always do. Now, in more progressive churches, you can pass it down to your daughter or somebody. But the reality is that pastors are never actually told that they're supposed to, like, this is your retirement plan, and at this age, you don't have to work no more. That's not actually what you signed up for. You signed up to do what God tell you to do, where he tell you to do it, when he tell you to do it, for as long as he tell you to do it. <laughs> they don't tell you that part when they give you the collar, though. So when we're talking about making plans, if I'm making a plan that doesn't include God, then all I am is limiting to my own understanding, as in the case here with Jacob and his mama and Isaac. Their plan was their plan. But if you notice, none of their plan included God. None of the plan included God. Don't make the same mistake. But here's the good thing. Even though we have our plan, God still has his promises. Because God had already spoken what he was going to do, what he already said to Abraham, it doesn't end because we decided we're going to make plans in between. So in verse Gen Genesis 28, starting at verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and set off for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. 
I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Mm -hmm. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. See, when people are making plans, but making plans without God, you done left out so much. See, and when we're talking about too many people make a plan and then expect God to bless their plan and act like it was God's plan. This is what God wants. Now, you already made up a plan. You already decided the way that you want it to be. And then you're like, well, I'm just waiting on God. Waiting on God for what? decided this is what I'm going to do. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for God. You waiting for God for what? You already decided what you're going to do. Mm. See, when God makes a promise, not a promise you want from God, but God made a promise to you. It's communicated by God. God reveals what he desires. It's not made up in our own minds and it's specific to us. See, if I decided what I'm going to do with my retirement, then I'd save and I'd put my money aside. And it's like, well, I can't. I'm going to keep this over here and I'm going to keep this over here and I'm going to keep this for me and I'm going to build this up for me so that when I'm tired and don't feel like working no more, then now, now I'm going to start to watch over my life. But I ain't paying my tithes. I ain't giving to the offering because, you know, I can't. I got to put that money in my retirement. I can't just use that money giving it to the house of the Lord. I can't do that. There was a special need. And it was like, eh, I don't know about that. I, I need to keep that money for me. And then when it's time for me to retire, I, Lord, bless me. But God wasn't part of your plan. God never promised you that. What if God got something else for you to do? When God gives a promise, God communicates his desire for our lives. God's promise is not us claiming what we want for our lives and expecting God to do it. If you made a plan without the promises of God, you're on your own. That may or may not work out for you. Oh, Lord. One of the things that I saw as I was studying this is that, that God spoke to Abraham about the promise of what he was going to do. Isaac was a bridge in between. But then God spoke to Jacob directly. It's not just Jacob is the grandson of Abraham, but God spoke the promise directly to Jacob. When God is making a promise to you, he's making a promise to you. When he's making something specific, he's saying something specific to you. Something he wants for your life. Something he plans to do in your life. Not what was said to somebody else. 
God is going to bless his children. Yes, God is going to bless his children. But what does that blessing look like for you? When God makes a promise, he connects heaven and earth. I, I, I love this. Because when God makes a promise, he's taking the supernatural and bringing it down into the natural. Because what God is speaking from his throne in heaven, he actually plans to play it out here on earth. So when God makes a promise, then you can expect to see that thing manifest here. Because God made the promise. And when he connects heaven and earth, then that's God's power flowing from his throne into our lives. But that's only when God makes the promise. And, and if you notice, if you notice, Jacob said, surely God is in this place. I, I didn't even know God was here. <laughs> of course you ain't know God was here. You weren't even listening to God. You weren't even asking God. You're listening to your mama. So when you want a promise from God, it's not coming from your mama. If you want a promise from God, it's coming directly from God to you, specifically for you. And you know what? The promises ain't always to make you feel better. God's promises is about exploring and expanding his plan and his desire. See, see, Jacob was looking for a wife. God was building a nation. So he on his journey because I got to go find me a wife because mama said I got to find a wife. And not a Hittite wife. So I got to find a specific kind of wife that my mama told me I had to get. That's what he was thinking about. God is talking about building a nation. Descendants that will occupy the land. That will fulfill what he said he was going to do for Abraham. That's what God was dealing with. Well, all he worried about was a wife. <laughs> oh, and it gets worse. Jacob's concern was the right now. And God was talking about eternity. See, this is the difference between God's promises and our plans. Our plans is only ends right now. Our plans end when we die. And I, I look, listen to this. When you finish working your plan, that's the end of life. What about eternity? You can finish working your plan and you might get everything you desire while you breathe here. But what happens when this last breath is breathed and then you now you have to go into eternity? Uh, 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 I saw a preacher do this a long time ago. He had a coin. I'm just going to use this. Say this represents all of time. All of time. From the very beginning, first day to the very last day. This represents all of time. Everything else is eternity. Everything else inside this room, outside this room, down this street, everything else is what eternity looks like. That's what time looks like. And we're worried about the plan for this and forgot about the plan for this. So you can work your plan and get what you want while you're here. But after you breathe your last breath here and you open your eyes again and see Christ, what do you got to say now? For you made no plan for that. You caught no promise. For mm. Our plans. But God has promises. 
And you need to get the promise for you. What is God saying to you? And if you say, he ain't say nothing to me, it's like you ain't listening. Because he did say something to you. I guarantee you God said something to you. Now, whether you can hear it or not, that's a whole nother story. But there's no child of God that he don't talk to. <laughs> He's not like some of them other daddies. Go talk to your mama. <laughs> there's, there's no child of God that he doesn't speak to. Now, when you don't want to hear, that's when it goes bad. See, while we're making these plans, if we incorporate God's promises, that's only the beginning. It's like, okay, now I've seen what God wants. I understand. But God is looking at eternity, but I'm not ready for eternity. I'm not ready for eternity. None of us was, this flesh that we're born in is not built for eternity. You do realize that, right? It has to be changed. The corruptible must put on the incorruptible because this is not ready for heaven. So what does God do? He takes our plans. He interrupts them, gives us his promises, but then he puts us through a process because we got to get ready in order to fulfill the promise that he gave us. <laughs> the process. Our humanity, our nature must be humbled. Genesis 28, verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God be with me and will watch over me this journey, I am taken and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Jacob being Jacob. Jacob being true to his nature and his nurturing. Okay, I heard what you said. Now, if you take care of me, give me everything that I need, fulfill these things that I want, then I'll give you back 10%. <laughs> It's like, dude, come on, man. It's like, for real, you just saw the angels descending, heard the voice of God standing on the top, and you heard all of this, and you still trying to work a hustle? You still trying to get something? Still grabbing? So God, in his infinite mercy and love and grace, faithfulness and tenderness towards us, he led. The grabber, me the hustler. He had to come face to face with somebody like himself. See, Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And the message puts it this way. We humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. So Genesis 29. See, because Jacob still thought he was running things. So God had to say, no, Tito, not, no, you're not. <laughs> no, that, no, sweetie, it's, no, you're not in charge. Let me show you how this is going to work. So Genesis 29, he shows up and he see, he's going to the well and then he sees Rachel. Oh, Rachel. Because Rachel was a shepherd too. You know, hey, this girl was productive. 
She was beautiful and productive. So he sees Rachel and he works out with the with the, with the moving the stone so she can water the sheep. And but he saw her and is like, whoa, man. <laughs> Young, beautiful, wealthy, and productive. So he thought he was in control, but God says, I got something for you. Boom. He show up in the land of who he run into first, Rachel. So you thought you was going to decide which way things was going to go? I got something for you. So you know God can let something happen that just mess you up. <laughs> Where you thought you knew which way it was going to go, and then God messed you up. He, he throws something in front of you that got you. I can make you do anything I want now. <laughs> oh, boy. Ooh, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Rachel shows up. He sees this beautiful woman with the sheep. And then, then he met Uncle Laban. Uncle Laban was so gracious. He kissed him, accepted him as family. He thought, no, no, just because you're my family, you can't work for free. What you want? Hustler, baby, hustler. <laughs> what, what, what is it that you would like? Well, you, you, you understand that once you are in a financial arrangement with someone, that gives them leverage. Once you're in a financial arrangement, you have motivation. So no, if you was working for free, you get up, leave anytime you want. But now that we have an arrangement, see, Jacob thought he was in control till he met the hustler. Now, he didn't mind working them seven years because it's like, well, look, look, look here. <laughs> that, 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 that one right there, Rachel, what you want for her? Had to pay that bride price. <laughs> another lesson for another day. Seven years. You work for me seven years, you get to marry her. <laughs> now, the Bible says that the seven years felt like a few days. Because he got him. God knew exactly what he needed to do to hook him in. <laughs> Life was good. Then it changed. The hustle was revealed. He got tricked into a marrying a woman he ain't even love. He turned around and said, what have you done to me? Because the Bible says that, that Leah, the older sister, had weak eyes. Now, there's a lot of interpretations of what weak eyes meant. Now, it, it, the, the, literal, the literal translation of the word is tender, gentle, or weak. Now, if you, if you want to understand what was meant by that, you got to look at the comparison. It said, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was fine. So even if you put it in the best possible light, it's like, she had nice eyes. <laughs> she had nice eyes, but her sister was fine. <laughs> Put it in the poorest possible light. It's like she was cross-eyed and something was running right there. Whichever way, whichever way you look at it, we know that the, the older sister wasn't that desirable. And the younger one was the one that everybody would have wanted. 
Now look at the hustle, though. Laban, Uncle Laban, Uncle Laban. I, I, I got to get rid of this older sister. But as long as Rachel is around, <laughs> ain't nobody going to want her. It's going, oh, what are we going to do? What we got to do here? Okay, all right, all right, all right. This dude done fell in love with Rachel. He don't know that we can't marry off the younger sister without marrying off the older one first. So he don't know that I'm planning a two for one. I'm, I'm going to solve my problem because <laughs> this kid that came from somewhere else, now, his, now we know he coming from money and he family, so we're going to keep all the money in the family. So it's better for me to marry her off to him than somebody else. <laughs> so Jacob like, what have you done to me? That's not the woman that I, that I worked for. He's, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, you didn't know? Oh, you, you didn't? Oh, no, no. We can't marry the older sister, the younger sister before the older. That's not our custom. We can't do that. But it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You finish the bride week, and I'll let you have the one you want, but you just got to work for me another seven years. Hustle. So the grabber met the hustler. <laughs> Because he thought he was in control. He thought he was going to tell God how things was going to work out. But God had set the circumstance in order to bring him into a place where he understands you're not in control. You don't decide everything that happened. That you think you a grabber? Well, the hustler done got you now. So you thought all your slick talking, you thought your, your ability to perceive and to grab opportunity, you thought that was going to save you. No. It's not. He worked those other seven years, and now that he wanted, the one he wanted couldn't conceive. Now she mad. He thought he was in control. Remember, he was telling God, if you do, if you do, then I'll give you 10%. <laughs> 10%. That's, that's what you're going with, man. But anyway, the one that he wanted couldn't conceive so now he she is mad she is mad then comes the baby wars then come the baby wars Leah oh, I, you don't love me but at least I can have babies ah. say hi Rachel can't do that can she so what happens? Tagging the handmaid. At the end of the baby wars, Leah had six. Zilpha had two. Rachel eventually had two, and Bill had had two. So he had ended up with 12 sons by four women. He thought he was in charge. This is, this is a very, I thought this was amazing. Judah was Leah's baby. Jesus came from the line of Judah. So the wife that he didn't want was the one who became the mother of the Savior. Because he thought he was in control. But God. We had plans. God made a promise. Then he takes us to a, prompt, a process. 
And look, the grabber ends up out hustling the hustler. Laban was still working the hustle, but he was fighting against the promises of God. He didn't know that. He didn't know that, that Jacob was God's man. So whether he was doing his thing or not, he didn't know that it was God that was behind Jacob's success. So Jacob had the nature that, look, he sees opportunities. He know how to grab opportunities. So for all you brothers out there named Jacob or James, which is the, the, the anglicized version of that name, that you can see opportunities and you can seize opportunities, but you got to remember God because your nature gets you in trouble. Jacob could see the opportunities. He could manipulate the situation, but he could not do anything except for God. So after 20 years of manipulation and power struggle, Jacob leaves with the women, the children, the servants, and the livestock. But his father-in-law wasn't having it. <laughs> you stole from me, and I'm coming back to get mine. So Genesis 31, verse 42. This is, this is the purpose of the process. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Remember before, he was telling God what God needed to do. Now, after 20 years of being face-to-face -face with the hustler, realizing that it's not just you, not just what you want, not just what you accomplished, he realized it was the God of his father Abraham and the fear of his father Isaac who taught him what he needed to do. And now he knows that I am delivered, I am set free, I am free from this because of God, not me. So what does this do? got to do with wrestling with our identity? This is where we finish. When our plans, God's promises, and the pain of the process are in conflict, that's when we're wrestling for our identity. See, the idea is that my plans are doing what I want to do, but God is trying to shape me into who he wants me to be. Those plans need to be moving me towards the person that God wants me to be. When I am fighting with what God wants from my life, that's when I'm wrestling for my identity. When God has spoken a promise to me and said, this is what I want from you, this is what I'm going to do for you, this is what I'm going to do through you, and then myself and what I want is in conflict with those promises trying to push God to the side because this is just what I want. This is how I see it. Then I end up wrestling for my identity. When I'm in this process and God has me face to face with somebody like me, forcing me to look at the ugly parts of me, putting me in a situation where I can't escape what I'm really about, then I am wrestling for my identity. See, we're all being pushed into that place where we're going to have to submit to God. But God has taken us through this. So wherever place that you're in, whether you've made plans and thought, well, this is what I'm going to do. But now those plans are not working out the way that you want. Now you're doubting yourself, doubting God, doubting life. You're just wrestling for your identity. You're in that fight with God who's trying to make you into what he wants you to be. When God has given you that promise and said, this is what I'm going to do. And now you're starting to 
wonder, is God going to do it? Why is he taking so long? Why does it feel so bad? All you're doing now is just wrestling with your identity. You've just got to come to that place that you are a child of God and what God is doing in you and through you is his divine will and that he is a sovereign Lord. When the pain of the process, when you've got to come face to face with who you are and what looks like you, when you got to fight the game with the other human beings being forced to choose who are you going to believe in, what you're going to do, how you're going to act. You're just wrestling for your identity. That's all it is. Know that this is ordained by God to bring us into a place where we finally accept who he says we are. Except that he is the sovereign God sitting on the throne and that his will is what matters. No more bargaining. No more thinking we smarter than. But realizing that I have been saved by God. Realizing that I have been delivered by God. That I have been blessed by God. Not my own doing. So when we find ourselves wrestling, we just got to get to the place where we say, yes, Lord. You are God. And you alone sit on the throne. Bow your heads with me. Hallelujah. I want you to sit with this for a minute. That you got to look at the plans that you've made for your life. Did those plans include God? Was he a part of it or you was just doing whatever you felt like you wanted to do or what you felt like was in your best interest? Was God a part of it? Did you get a promise from God? Did God speak to you directly about you and your life? If you are a child of God, he has a specific purpose for you. There's something he wants you to accomplish, something he wants you to do. You, not your mother, not your father. You. Have you heard that from God? Have you made it a priority to hear that from God? Are you in the process now where you're looking at situations that's actually forcing you to deal with who you are? Jacob was a grabber, but he was dealing with a hustler. And he realized that just my tendency to grab, my ability to see opportunities and grab hold of them is not going to do nothing with the hustler. He finally came to the realization, if God wasn't with me, ah, wasn't my intelligence, my passion, or my training. If God wasn't with me. So I want you to all just to stop and think about where are you? Where are you in all of this? Is it the plan that has gone wrong? Have you not heard from God? Are you struggling with the process because you're looking at these things that are forcing you to look at who you are and look at who God is? The circumstances of your life, the people in your life that are forcing you to look at who you are and who God is. Are you fighting with the pain of that process? Because if, if you are, it, it's okay. You're just wrestling for your identity. You just need to say, yes, Lord. 
You just need to say yes, Lord. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand because I know it applies at some point. And everyone at home, please, I'm asking you to stand. If you're able, please stand. And I want you to bow your heads. Focus just on the Lord. And what is he doing with you? And who is it that he wants you to be? This is what's so important. Who does he want you to be? What does he want you to accomplish? It has nothing to do with me or anybody else. It has nothing to do with what your mother and father did. It has nothing to do with that. This is not something you can blame the pastor on or the elders or the deacons. This is not nobody's fault. This is between you and God. It's between you and God. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you the person that God wants you to be? As God is faithful and taking you through, you might be wrestling for your identity, but remember our plans, God's promises in the process. So Father, we come to you and we humble ourselves before you, oh God. And we realize just like Jacob, man, Lord, we're on a journey and we, 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 we're taking some twists and turns here. Lord God, we repent that we made plans without you. We repent, oh God, that all we thought about was what us getting to where we wanted and getting what we wanted. Lord, we repent, Lord God, that our plans was focused just on that without any consideration of what you wanted. We repent today, Lord God, and we ask that you would correct it that you would help us, Lord God. Father, that you would show us the way, that you would make the path straight, Lord God. Lord, as we trust in you, as we lean on you, as we remove the doubt, Lord, that you would show us what it is that you would have us to do. And Father, we're asking for your promises. We're asking for you to speak to us specifically. We know you got a word for each of us. We know that there's something that you want from each of us, oh God. We may not know the whole thing and the big picture or how it's going to work out. But, Lord, we know that there is a purpose for our lives. We know that there's a reason that you saved us, a reason you've given us your spirit, a reason you've called us into the kingdom. We know that there's a reason, God. We know, God. So, Lord, if we don't see it clearly, we're asking that you speak it, Lord God. And we know you speak in that still small voice. So we ask that you would quiet the noise and quiet all the distractions, Lord God, so that we can hear you clearly. Lord, and as you order our steps, and many times that means bringing us face to face with those that frustrate us the most. Lord, those that our stuff don't work on, Lord God. We ask him, Lord, that you would just help us. To see, oh God, to see you in the midst of it, oh God. To see your hand, Lord God. To see and feel your spirit, Lord God. Lord, and that you would give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding, Lord God, that as we are dealing with those circumstances and situations, Lord God, that it will work together for our good. Lord, and we pray that you would give us a double portion of your spirit, Lord that the love and the joy and the peace that promised us, that character, Lord, the gentleness, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the self-control, Lord God, the patience, Lord, we would have more of it, Lord God. So that as we're in this process and we're dealing with those things that frustrate us, that bring us face to face with those, with ourselves and the worst parts of ourselves, God, that you would give us what we need so that we would learn. 
so that when it's said and done, we can be like Jacob and say, it was you, God. It was you, God. It was you that held back our enemies. It was you that rebuked the one that was trying to get us. It was you, God. Not our own wisdom and strategy, but it was you, God. It was you, God, that set it in order. That we would understand like Jacob, that our nature might be to manipulate and control, but we come to a place of realization that, God, if our lives are going to be saved, it's because of you. It's because of you. So, Lord, work in us. Work through us so that your will will be accomplished on this earth. Lord, we know the time is short. So whatever we're going to get done needs to get done now. So, Lord, have your way. We give you the whole thing, Lord. The whole thing, not just parts. But we give you the whole thing. Whatever we've messed up up until this point, God, we're giving you the rest of it. Oh, God, have your way, Father. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.